Welcome to Sermons from St. David's, a ministry of St. David's Episcopal Church in Southfield, Michigan. It's a chance for us to share a good word of challenge, inspiration, and hope as we walk the journey of faith together. You're welcome to join us on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. for live in-person worship. You can also join our 10 a.m. Eucharist via Zoom. Just go to our website for the meeting ID and password at stdavidssf.org. Once upon a time, twin girls were born to a loving couple. Their names were Abigail and Constance. However, tragedy struck on the drive home from the hospital when the parents died in a car wreck and the girls went off to live with their aunt. Abigail went to live with her aunt Abby and Constance went to live with her aunt Constance. These two aunts could not have been more different one from the other. You see, at Aunt Connie's, Connie was not short for Constance. It was short for control. <laughs> Aunt Connie's house was a controlling house. It was a fearful house. It was a house of scarcity. It was a house where everyone was told there was never enough. They never had enough stuff. They were never good enough. There was always someone better, better looking, better personality, better connections, with a better house, a better car, a better dress, you name it. It was a house where everything depended on you. There was no real prayer, no real dependence on God. You were it. The buck stopped there. And at Aunt Connie's, everyone was obsessed with the comparison game. Endless smartphone scrolling, screen time, gossip about who had what, where they were going, and who they were going with. And when they compared, they always compared upwards, looking at people who had more, did more, owned more, were richer, better looking, more fortunate. You get the picture. Aunt Connie's was a stressful place to grow up. It could not have been more different than growing up across town at Aunt Abby's. Remember, that's where Sister Abigail went to live. And you see, Aunt Abby's name did not stand for Abigail. It stood for abundance. Aunt Abby's house was a house where you felt this sense of plenty. There was plenty of love. There was plenty of faith. There was plenty of acceptance. Everyone lived under this overwhelming umbrella that everything would be okay. There was enough food, there was enough room to sleep, there was enough room to study and to be entertained. At Aunt Abby's, they preached faith, faith in God, that God would provide, and they said their prayers. Aunt Abby constantly reminded everyone of how blessed they were, how lucky they were, how grateful they could be. And when they played the comparison game, they always compared downward, looking at those who had it much worse, those who had no clothes, not enough to eat, no place to live, surrounded by people who didn't care for them. Aunt Abby's house, not surprisingly, was one of generosity and care, tranquility and acceptance, peacefulness and thanksgiving. We can only imagine what those twin girls, Abigail and Constance, were like when they grew up. 
I recently read an observation from a psychologist. It came to me from this, this great source, maybe you've heard of it, it's called Instagram. <laughs> a lot of theology preached on Instagram. The psychologist said this, what you repeat, both in your head and out loud, you will come to believe. There's a reason why commercials repeat the same slogans over and over again. Things we hear over and over again sink into our consciousness and eventually become accepted as fact. Bounty is the quicker picker-upper. Ah, fake news, hoax. It doesn't matter how crazy, how hokey, how utterly disconnected from reality it is. Repeat it often enough and it becomes fact. Up becomes down, right becomes left, wrong becomes right. What we say matters. What is said to us matters. What we say to ourselves matters. What we surround ourselves with matters. Because it makes a mark. It seeps in. It makes a home. And it usually happens as slowly and subtly as it did for Abigail and Constance. Gradually, over time, a comment here, a behavior there, these things all add up. This is why I would like to thank you for being here this morning at Abby's house. It's not a big thing, but it is a big thing. It's not easy for you to make time to be together with your faith family. We're still coming back from COVID and the temptation to stay in our safe, warm, hidey holes and get out of the habit of isolating is difficult. I know you have a lot of places you could be other than here this morning. I know that you have commitments and responsibilities and some people, your power is still out. I know that we're tired and that we're stressed. And I know it's harder to go to church these days than it's been in the past. So thank you for choosing to be here, both online and in person. I'm your pastor, and I love you. You've got a room full of people who care about you here. We're in this together. And I think it's better for us to be together on the road to following Jesus than anywhere else. I like to think of St. David's as Abby's house, a place of love, acceptance, faith, freedom, and abundance, a place that will remind us of who we are and who we want to be. Church is like the dinner you had on Tuesday. You may not remember what it was, but you know it nourished you and allowed you to live another day. This is a place where we strive to feed each other well, to let go and to let God, to take Jesus' words seriously about trusting in God for our needs, looking to serve others as a central practice, encouraging one another to pray more, to study more, to be more generous, and outgoing about sharing the message of Abby's house, to remind one another that God is with us and that everything will be okay. Abby and Connie, abundance and control. Perhaps this can help us better understand Nicodemus and Jesus. Gradually over time, over generations, Nicodemus had found himself formed, shaped, and molded by the culture around him, which was literally soaked in fear, scarcity, and control. This was in such stark contrast with Jesus and his pure, innocent, and sincere heart of love, faith, acceptance, equality, and abundance. 
It was so foreign to Nicodemus that the preaching of the kingdom did not compute. And when it did, when Jesus pointed out the contrast, his analogy of an entirely new birth makes sense. There's no question what was born from below and what was born from above. Fear and control, love and faith. I saw that faith in action a year ago when we held our drive through ashes uh, in the front driveway here. Thank you, Alan. We'll keep thanking you for the next, next nine years. I was at my desk when a volunteer came into my office and said that there was a lady in the drive-thru who wanted to see me. She was a beautiful, young, dark-haired woman of Middle Eastern descent. She had a bright, shiny car, but inside I soon discovered things were not as bright and shiny. Father, she said, my heart is heavy with pain. My husband and I have been trying to conceive for quite a while, and it's just not happening. We've seen doctors. We've taken medicine, and I have not been able to get pregnant. And so I was wondering if you could pray for me that I could have a baby. Of course, I said, not hesitating, but knowing that God works through us. God works through each one of us through prayer. God loves everyone, and God loves that woman as much as God loves anyone. And so I prayed for her that she would get pregnant, that she would be able to move beyond infertility, and that God would bless her with the desire of her heart, a little baby. Now, to be honest, I forgot all about that encounter. I prayed for dozens and dozens of people on Ash Wednesday, and she's not the first person with whom I prayed like that. But then this Ash Wednesday came around a couple days ago. That's when I was again at my desk. Somebody came into my office and said there was somebody in the driveway who wanted to see me. I went out and was greeted by a young woman in the front seat of a bright, shiny SUV, and she asked me if I remembered her. Well, I asked her if she could refresh my memory, because as you all know quite well, I always tell people I have a great memory, it's just short. <laughs> and she reminded me of her visit the year before, and her request for me to pray for her that she would get pregnant. She then said that previous to the visit last year, she had taken a home pregnancy test, which had come back negative. Then after our prayer, after she left our driveway, she went to her home. She went to her house, she went to the bathroom, and she took the test. Only now it was positive. And she motioned for me to look in the back seat because there was a beautiful three-month-old baby she brought over for me to meet and bless and pray. I know, if, you, if you're not cheering up a bit, I'll do it for you. So you and I asked, did prayer miraculously bring those male and female cells together to create that gorgeous child? Did prayer calm this mother down enough to allow Mother Nature to do her work? Was it just love, a fluke, or capricious fate that did its magic? Who knows? But what we do know is that clothing our deepest wants and needs and desires in prayer to the Almighty, looking to God to meet us, looking to faith and trust and love to hold our hands as we walk down the windy path of life has its own consequences. And friends, that's the point of this sermon today. We all spend time in Aunt Connie's home, the house of control and fear and scarcity. We all spend time in Aunt Abby's house, the house of abundance, of love, of faith. So spend more time at Aunt Abby's. Spend more time and Abbey's. That's today's sermon.
And so what does that look like for you? Lent is our annual time of decluttering. My friend Peter Walsh, he likes to say this. Clutter is not just the stuff on the floor. It's anything that stands between you and the life you want to be loving. Clutter is not just the stuff on the floor. It's anything that stands between you and the life you want to be living. What's cluttering your life today? How much of it did you borrow from Aunt Connie's house? And how much of it should we trade in at Aunt Abby's? Oh, how Jesus desires for you and me to let it go, to clean out the clutter, to leave it behind, and to live the life we want to be living. Jesus came to remind us that the life we want to be living is the abundant life, is the eternal life, is his life, life in the spirit, not life in the flesh. It is not one of apathy, disappointment, discouragement, hopelessness, loneliness, addiction, selfishness, acquisitiveness, disordered priorities, acting on misplaced tendencies toward violence, abuse, economic, racial, sexual exploitation, and a host of different pitfalls that beset each one of us. No, we are to be living after the Spirit, eternal life. This is the life of engagement, of ambition, of relationship, of reconciliation, restoration, freedom-making, friend-making, bond-breaking, encouragement-shaping, and hope-dictating. The abundant life is what pulls out what is deepest inside of us. God's goodness resonating in your soul and in mine, and removing the clutter that keeps that from being better known. It is here where we sense the spark of God in God's life. And we build upon that to mold each of us into beacons of hope that shine God's light into our dark and needy world. Because Aunt Connie's house is just too crowded, too many people around us living in that environment of fear and control and exercising way too much influence in the world around us. God needs you. Your neighbor needs you. The world needs you. You need you to be the person of light you were created to be. This past Wednesday was the feast of St. David's of Wales. No, not the big fish, but a small country. That means, because we're named after St. David's of Wales, that was our anniversary. We are now in our 72nd year of ministry, and you can give yourselves a round of applause. We've helped keep the lights on for that long. Thank you very much. So what's going to happen over our next 72 years together, friends? Well, what's going to keep us open for the next 72 years? It's Jesus and our commitment to making his word our word, to making his way our way, to making his life our lives. How God is calling us out of Aunt Connie's and into Aunt Abby's, out of fear and control, and into love and faith. That is God's call for our lives, folks. When we come up to the altar in a few moments, we're gonna come up from communion. What do we need to leave behind? What do we need to take? What do we need to stop telling ourselves? 
What do we need to stop hearing? And how can we better order our lives to cultivate the light and life of Jesus, knowing that this is how we embrace eternal life? Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. And may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.